0: Another gust came through and hit the kite uh, and pulled it out of my hands because I hadn't really connected it yet and shock-loaded the system. Uh, the line broke, so there goes the kite. Uh, but because the gust was so strong, the kite actually rolled downwind up over the dam and then. So I swam to shore and had to go retrieve the kite with tail between my legs, embarrassed that you know I couldn't kite back to shore where we started. Episode
1: 397, a summer break revisit with Eric Bader talking about kiteboarding. This episode is brought to you in part by Kind. Kind makes delicious, healthy snacks using whole ingredients. If you guys haven't tried it yet, their pressed bars by Kind are the best, in my opinion. Go try the mango apple chia, it's awesome. We've got a special offer for you guys to try 20 Kind snacks with their new snack pack. You can enjoy 50% off and free shipping on your first snack pack when you subscribe to it through Snack Club, which is Kind's monthly snacks subscription service. Go to kindsnacks.com/sports for more details. That's kindsnacks.com/sports to learn more and to subscribe to the snack pack. You're listening to the Adventure Sports podcast brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Welcome back to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. We've previously had Eric Bader on from the Boulder Outdoor Center, and last time he was on, he talked to us about river rafting. It was a great interview. I appreciate it. So, Eric, welcome back.
0: Thank you, Travis.
1: All right. So today, we're here to talk about kiteboarding. Now, this is one thing that I'm pretty excited to hear about because I see these guys out there doing it, and uh, it looks like a true blast, and I'm hoping that you're going to tell me some awesome stuff that makes me want to go out there and try it.
0: Oh, kiteboarding is a fantastic sport. The only tough part about kiteboarding is it is um, a little difficult to get started in the sport and break in and get through the the learning curve. But once you do, it has it's such a great combination of different things that um, it it takes fun to a whole new level.
1: Yeah, it looks fun. It looks like a lot of exercise. I was watching some videos on it um, a little bit earlier and uh, man, as people are getting quite a workout doing it. I mean, this is, I would equate it to water skiing behind a boat because you're hanging on to this, uh, to this handle, but that thing's tugging them, you know, tugging them left, tugging them right, launching them in the air. So that, that seems like one heck of a workout.
0: Uh, kiteboarding is definitely a great workout, but not quite the way you're thinking, Travis. Um, if you want, maybe we should backtrack up just a wee touch and let's make sure our listeners know what it is. Um, because, uh, I think there's a lot of folks that may not know what kiteboarding is.
1: Okay. So yeah, give us the rundown. What does the equipment look like? What can they expect when they come out to, to do some kiteboarding, learn how to do it for the first time?
0: All right. Well, a couple things, um, you know, we're here in Colorado and this is a great sport and uh, a great state and a, an a okay place to kiteboard, but it's not beginner friendly. So, if somebody wants to get into kiteboarding, and I'm assuming you've got listeners all over the country, your best bet is to hit uh, an ocean breeze, hit a beach on the ocean, get involved with a professional company that offers uh, kiteboarding lessons uh, to get started. And it'll generally take a couple days. But what I'd like to do is at least touch upon exactly what kiteboarding is. And what it, it is, is it's kind of a combination of things. If people are not already familiar with kiteboarding, you uh, hopefully maybe people understand what wakeboarding is. You mentioned getting towed behind a boat like water skiing. So it's it's like a snowboard or a kite, you know, a wakeboard um, where your feet go into little stirrups. And then you've got a board that, as I mentioned, looks a lot like a wakeboard or a snowboard. And that's what you're riding on. And then you've got a kite. And your kite's flying up there just like most any kite you've had when you were a kid, except for these are a little bigger, uh, and you've got kite lines that come back down to you. And But here's where it's a little different, Travis. It actually attaches to a harness on your body. Okay. So when the kite pulls you, it's actually pulling on a harness on your body, kind of like a climbing harness. And then your hands are on a bar that allow you to steer the kite and that's what allow that that bar is what actually allows you to turn the kite right and left and then actually control the pitch of the kite
1: Okay, so the bar is attached to not just one rope that, that is attached to the kite, but it has a left and a right. So you can steer the left and right side of that of that wing. And 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 actually stop there for a second because we're talking about kite. And I think a lot of people would envision this triangular kite we might fly up there as kids, you know, out in the schoolyard. But you're really talking about something that looks a little bit more like an airfoil, like a wing uh that a paraglider might might use just smaller, correct?
0: Um that is correct. Um The technology of paragliding has been applied toward kiteboarding and vice versa, I would imagine. So, yeah, we definitely have a little more technology. But going back to, you know, the one line kite, you know, that we flew as kids. This is a, you know, these are four line kites generally and sometimes a fifth line for safety. But the four lines are what you steer the kite for. So there's trainer kites or stunt kites that people might be flying out there that are four line kites. Two lines are kind of flying the kite. And then um, the two lines that are attached to our bar is what you use to turn the kite and control pitch. Um, So that's and then that is also part of the fun of kiteboarding. So we're combining the sport of wakeboarding, you know, and skimming across the top of the, you know, the surface of a lake or ocean, you know, at a possibly a pretty good height, you know, rate of speed, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour. Um, And then you're adding in flying a kite which is also fun and challenging just by itself.
1: Um, and potentially flying yourself.
0: And right? then, yeah, as you, as you <laughs> go across that water, which also is just fun, you know, how, you know, being on the water and carving the water back and forth just like a snowboarder, then when you do some different maneuvers with the kite, the kite has the ability to lift you off the water in the form of a jump. And those jumps can be... Pretty big with some of the bigger kites. So basically, we are flying a kite, as you mentioned. It's kind of rectangular, looks like a paragliding kite, uh, maybe a little smaller than a paraglider, but as we mentioned, a little bit bigger than the kite that you you know we grew up with when we were you know flying at five and ten years old. Right.
1: So these, uh, from what I saw, these are actually the the spars or the uh, you know portions, the the bracing in the wing itself are inflatable. Right. Is that pretty typical of a, of a wing or is that just one style of one?
0: Well, the, for the kiteboarding, because we're on the water, you generally will use a um, a kite with an, a leading edge that's inflatable because if it does crash in the water, which can happen, you know, it floats. And then there's some struts that come down to give it some support. And those are also inflatable. So the whole thing will pack up into a backpack. Um, and then when you get to the lake or the ocean, your body of water, you unroll it. Pump it up, hook up your lines, um, put on whatever, you know, a helmet and whatever gear you need to keep you warm. You know, it could be just a bathing suit, um, could be a dry suit if you're in cold temperatures like here in Colorado. Sometimes it can be. uh yeah, right. And then you, Unless uh, it's today. Uh, yeah, today. <laughs> well, today's a little nice day, but the water can be pretty cold too. This is true. Um And then you get your kite board, you know, so you get your kite flying, usually somebody has to launch you and you fly your kite for a little bit, you know, and you have to, you also want to get the right size kite for the condition. So if it's blowing 15 miles an hour, you might have a big kite. If it's blowing 40 or 50 miles an hour, you have a tiny little kite.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I did wonder about that, about uh, various sizes and why you would, uh, why you might, why you might want to get into different uh, sizes of kites.
0: Yeah, you, you have, you generally, once you get into the sport, you're kind of in for a buck, you know, I mean, you're, you got to jump in both feet, generally, you're going to get committed, you're going to want two or three different kite sizes, um, just and the kite sizes are just like a vehicle, do you need four cylinders, do you need six cylinders, or do you need eight cylinders, how much power do you need that kite to generate for you? Okay. Um, so you start flying, you know, somebody launches you, you're flying your kite on your beach, you're comfortable with the size of the kite you have, you grab your kite board, and now you're walking toward the water. You get in the water, uh, walk out to knee to waist deep, put the board on your feet. You dive the kite, and then it'll start pulling you downwind. And uh, during that downwind pull, it's kind of like a wakeboard or water skin. You'll st- you'll actually also lift you out of the water and onto the surface and start you across the body of water. And then you bring the kite back up a little bit to the you know and out in front of you, and it'll continually pull you. And then like a sailboat you can actually start carving your board using the the wind and your kite like a sailboat and go up wind.
1: Okay. That was going to be one of my questions because from having a sailing background, I wondered if you could tack back into the wind because obviously we could, uh, we could get wind off of the, the shoreline and nothing could take us out forever. And if you don't know how to tack into the wind, you might, you might be gone forever too. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it depends on where you're, you're kiting obviously, but, um, Yes, uh, you definitely want to be able to go upwind, and that's a, And as you, when you're first learning, that'll be difficult to tack up to the wind. But once you get the hang of it, you can definitely tack back upwind. Um, you can also do downwinders, which is a lot of fun. There's places where you, on the ocean mostly, where you can do a downwinder. Um, sometimes you end up doing a downwinder regardless, and then you just pack up your kite and hike back to the starting point. You know, if it's a lake.
1: So by downwinder, you mean something where you, you're just simply following the direction of the wind the entire time. And if it's down a beachfront, you might just end up a mile down the beach. Or if it's a lake, you're just going to end up on the other side of the lake. That's, that's what you mean by downwinder, right?
0: Affirmative. Yeah. If you can't go upwind or, you know, and actually it's less, you know, from your sailing days, it's easier to go downwind. So it's sure. actually kind of fun on the ocean, you know, or different places where some, you know, like Padre Island, Texas is a great place to learn. And if you go riding oceanside, you'll generally do the downwind surfing waves. And they've, you know, you go six, eight miles down the beach, land, you know, go ashore, pack everything up. And then they got a, a bus that's free that you hop on and go back up to the start and repeat.
1: Yeah, that sounds like my way to do it. Forget that tacking into the wind. That's got to be too hard. I'd like to go downwind and take a ride back up, kind of like rafting.
0: Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's lower ski areas, the lift, you know, you. We can yeah. go upwind, but, you know, it is always easier and less energy to go downwind. And then when you jump, you'll generally, you know, if you're jumping off the water, you're going to go downwind on each jump. And now you don't have to spend the time tacking back upwind to recover that distance.
1: Okay. Now you can control, I mean, you talked about different chute sizes so or shoot different wing sizes. You can control um, certainly speed that way. So your smaller, smaller wing and in the wind was will pull you less but how can you control your speed uh, with the same wind and the same wing? There are there are different levels that you can fly the, the wing at. Correct?
0: Um, yeah, that's what I meant when I said earlier pitch control. Okay. Um, you can because you have a four line kite, you can actually affect the control the the pitch of the kite. Which again, a kite and a wing perform similar, um, in that the kite can give you some lift and give you some pull. So what? So let me backtrack up a step. Let's talk about the corners of the wind window, and then I'll go back to pitch control. So if you're flying your kite and you fly to the corners of the wind window, which is, imagine the wind coming from your back and you're looking straight downwind. If you're looking straight downwind and you dive that kite straight downwind of you to maybe 20 feet off the water, that's when it's going to catch. You know, it's going to pull the hardest because it's catching all the wind that's going. You know, obviously downwind, that's redundant, but sorry. <laughs> but, in, in, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. that's that's if you want to go downwind. But now that kite's not going to stay there. It's going to keep flying. So it's going to cro- fly, across, you know, straight downwind of you. And then it's going to fly all the way out to what we call the corners of the wind window, which if you're facing downwind, maybe put both hands straight out perpendicular to your body. The corner of your wind window is the um, – so, you know, if you bring the kite up to 12 o'clock straight overhead – Um, Now it's it's actually parallel to the wind, then it's really not pulling very hard on you Um, and you reduce the amount of energy that you're getting from the the kite and that's the corner of the wind windows. Anytime you bring the the kite back up into the wind as far as it'll fly, um, it'll pull less.
1: So it kind of stalls you out in a way, just because it doesn't have nearly the the drag on it as as opposed to having it directly out in front of you and just pulling you like it was a speedboat right right downwind.
0: Um, yeah, correct. You know, so it flies. It'll fly out to the corners of the wind window as far as the design will allow, which is pretty far. It's kind of like you know if you on your sailboat pointing it straight into the wind, all of a sudden the, the sails start luffing. Um, and you don't have any power. Now, the kite won't go that far to left because if it does, it'll fall out of the sky. Um, and then you have pitch control or what's called power d-power. You know, some of the kiters, your steering lines are connected to the back edge of the kite. And when you pull on those, it's kind of like uh, creating drag on the wing. So, the way, you know, your kite will now fall back downwind a little bit more and start pulling a little harder on you. So that's the pitch control that you have with the kite, the forward and back from the leading edge to the trailing edge. And that's not a whole lot different from, you know, an airplane and ailerons. Um, But, yeah, we're getting a little technical for people possibly. But, anyhow, the bottom line is is you do have control over how much it pulls on you. Um, Once you learn how to use it, uh, you can fly the kite faster. You can park it out to the corners of the wind window while you're putting on your board. You can fly, go upwind, you can go downwind, you can do, you know, maneuvers, figure eights, and kite loops where you do circles with the kite. So there's all kinds of things, just like a stunt kite you can do with the with these bigger power kites.
1: All right, the only difference is you're tethered to it. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like a blast.
0: <laughs> um, you're tethered to it, and what, you know, those little tricks and those figure eights or those kite loops are what's going to pull you, you know, the, you know, some, in some direction.
1: I'm imagining some listeners out there thinking when they're hearing this, like, okay, that sounds awesome, except how in the heck do I stop? So this thing gets out of hand, you get a big gust of wind. We know in Colorado we can have that just up, you know, out of the blue. We just get, you know, massive winds that come down. What can you do about that? How do you keep from getting dragged right across onto the shoreline and into the woods?
0: Well, there are safety features to every single power kite, and you need to learn those and learn them well, as you mentioned, especially for here in Colorado. That's why we, I don't recommend beginners starting here because we do have gusty winds. Um, beginners want to learn on an ocean breeze where you, you take out that problem. But mm-hmm. yes, we, here in Colorado, we do have gusty winds. And even on the, you know, when you're on an ocean breeze without the gusty winds, you need to learn your safety features. But the safety features to kiting are passive. And what I mean by that is you have to do something, you know. So if you're starting to get dragged or lose control of the kite, um, there's several options you have that can get, you know, that can help you out. One could be just letting go of that steering bar because most likely you're causing that out of control piece. Um,
1: okay.
0: Not one of my favorites, but when you're first learning, you know, some folks teach that. Um, there's also a release um, there's three releases, basically. There's a release that releases two or three or four of the lines so that now the kite really won't fly. So imagine your kite is now attached to you, but only by one wingtip.
1: Okay. okay. So it's going to turn and stall out, and it's not going to drag you along at that point.
0: Exactly. It's just going to be parallel to the wind, and it's going to look like a rag flopping around, but it's all, that's all it is is a rag. You know, and it's no longer going to pull on you. So that's going to be, you know, one of your, um, one of your first safety options. Your next safety option is you can actually um, release, you can release the kite from yourself, you know, and that completely. um, And then the kite will just blow downwind someplace. And without resistance, it just blows at the rate of the wind until it finally gets caught on something bumps into something, but generally speaking, it doesn't fly very well without resistance. Right. Um, And then the third way actually is, is part of the second way is you release it from yourself. There's a backup to that or a safety called a leash. And that leash is still connected to that fifth line or that one line that allows the kite to flag out. So you can actually release the kite from you and have a backup leash where you're still not losing the kite, but it automatically flags out. And then you can, okay. you can release that as well. So, again, you can always release the kite from yourself.
1: You always have an out. So, ideally, you're going to let the thing go and hope that it, it pretty much dies out and comes down, loses that, that gust of wind that it caught, you know. And then you can kind of one by one release different lines and, and let it stall out before you really have to release the entire thing from your body.
0: Um, yeah, I think you got it. And um, even before you release it, you can park the kite out to the corner of the wind window and uh, and if you let your body sink into the water, there's a lot of resistance to um, if your body's down in the water, and a lot of times the kite'll sit, you know, overhead, and you'll be fine and wait for the gust to pass.
1: So that begs the question: once your, if you allow your kite to go down into the water, it floats because it's got inflatable ribs. But how do you get it to come back up out of the water? We've all fought our kites, you know, down in the schoolyard and you, the, the darn thing lands and you're tugging on it and tugging on it and trying to get it to catch that wind again. How does that work with, uh, with kiteboarding?
0: Well, it's a four-line kite and uh, it is, that is a skill you'll need to learn And when you're first learning. That is one of the more challenging skills to learn, which is a water launch. Um, but your goal is, is for the kite to land on the, the leading edge, so kind of upside down, so it's floating on that leading edge. The trailing edge doesn't have floats on it. So if it lands with the trailing edge, then it generally sinks into the water a little bit, and that can make things challenging. But if, So you'll have to work on pulling on some of the leading edge lines if it's on its back until it kind of catches enough wind um, to turn upside down. Okay. And if it's a light wind, you may not be successful in this, in which case you're <laughs> going to float until you float ashore, which is, again, the reason why you want to have that wind floating, you know, the wind blowing towards shore for when those things happen. And then uh, once it's on its back, then what you do is you'll pull on a couple lines, and the, you'll, the kite on its back will catch some wind and fly out to the corner of the wind window, which will be to your right or to your left um, as you're facing downwind. Hopefully you, have, hopefully you have a board on, which gives you more resistance, and you put your feet downwind to, again, provide some resistance. And then you slowly bring the kite up onto its wingtip by creating some drag. Uh, by on one of the steering lines. Okay. So the, wing, so the kite then just stands up on its wing tip. And then once it does that and the water kind of runs out of it and you're balancing it there, um, when you're ready, you'll bring it, you'll pull on one steering line. It'll kind of rock back toward its you know, backside a little bit and then it'll, it'll take off and start flying.
1: Hey, ASP listeners, have you ever tried a Kind bar? You may have seen them in your local grocery store, coffee shop, or gym. They make delicious, healthy snacks using whole ingredients. Well, if you're ready to try some tasty and healthy snacks, we've got a special deal for you. Try 20 Kind snacks from seven of their unique product lines with their new snack pack. You can enjoy 50% off and free shipping on your first snack pack when you subscribe to it through their snack club. Snack club is Kind's monthly snack subscription service. Go to kindsnacks.com slash sports for more details on that. I love their pressed bars like the mango apple chia bars, or I pretty much guarantee you're going to love their breakfast bars first thing in the morning when you climb out of that hammock. So take a minute and see what they're creating over at kindsnacks.com slash sports and get your 50% off plus free shipping on your first order. That's kindsnacks.com slash sports. There's some skill to learn there other than just simply standing on a board and keeping upright and, 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 you know, like you would be wakeboarding behind a boat, you're you're doing a two-dimensional thing at the same time. You're trying to fly this kite while trying to balance on this board. Keep enough speed up, but not too much speed. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to try that. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> you and, sold me, and you, Travis, you're getting it. That's what makes the learning curve difficult. You know, right? If you know how to wakeboard or snowboard, that's going to help you out a lot. If you, you know, we give people when they're first learning a training a trainer kite or you know, which is a stunt kite. So they can learn how to fly the kite, and then you got to start to marry those things up and create the balance that you need so that you can just glide across the surface of the water.
1: Right. Yeah, that's cool. I can see where the the learning experience would be tough, but it could be uh, it could be fairly quick too. You start putting piecing these things together. If you're like you said, if you're you know past wakeboarder, past snowboarder, you you have kind of the the feet underneath under you. Uh, you're used to that, you know, that balance and the, the control of your feet, you can kind of set your mind over onto the kite and what it's doing. But if you're trying to learn both of them at the same time, that could be a little interesting.
0: When I first learned to kiteboard, I was hopeless on a, on a kiteboard, you know, because I couldn't stand <laughs> my feet being on the same board, you know. Right. <laughs> I could I could fly the kite, but uh, being a skier, um, I wasn't used to, you know, having my feet on the same board. So I ended up going and taking a weightboard lesson, which helped out a lot. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Um, but anyhow, a couple days of lessons in the right conditions, and a lot of people will catch on. And if some people don't have some of those other experiences that we just mentioned, it'll take a little bit longer.
1: Okay. So like a lot of those things, give it a few days if you really want to learn kiteboarding. Don't just go out one day and expect you're going to pick it up. Make successive days in your trip to to learn it, and you should be all right, generally.
0: Exactly. Good instruction. And then you definitely need, you know, if you're going to do a kiting vacation, um, you got to do some research on where to go, you know, because so you, you need wind. Um, call the kite school that you're going to find down there. Most beaches these days have kite schools and talk to them and find out what time of year is the best for them so that you increase your odds of success. Because you want to have a few days, you know, of good conditions for your learning.
1: Good advice. So how did you get into kiteboarding? What got you started? What is, uh, what's the moment that got you hooked on, on doing this?
0: Actually, I got involved with um, snow kiting is kind of what led into my kiteboarding. So, oh, you know, cool. It was, here in Colorado, snow kiting is phenomenal. And uh, being that I worked in a retail store, one of the reps that for one of the snow kite manufacturers, Ozone, stopped in and said, hey, you guys got to carry these things. These things are the bomb. Nice. Um, And snow kiting is a lot, you know, a lot easier to get started on because you don't sink, you know, unless you're in real deep powder, um, you don't sink down in it. So you don't have to have that as much balance um, to get up on your, you know, get ripping across the snow. It's less, there's less resistance on the snow. Ideally, you want to learn with skis until you have twice the, double the edge and you can walk around as necessary while you're learning yeah, that makes sense. And Throw you, skis on first. And you learn to fly the kite. Yeah. Um, so that can help you learn to kiteboard. So that's how I got started with snow kiting. Had a blast doing that. And then I had so much fun snow kiting in the wintertime. I was like, well, I guess I need to learn how to do this kiteboarding in the summer. And
1: uh, Yeah, that's awesome. You don't get too many sports that you can straddle the seasons with like that.
0: Yeah, you can definitely use the, the kites for both seasons um, and have fun year-round with them. Uh, and yeah, it's just wonderful. You know, I mean, it's, you go ski in the wintertime, you're skiing for free, but I think that'll be another subject for another day. Um, getting back to the kiteboarding, I would love to share with our listeners the different options for kiteboarding.
1: Okay. Good idea.
0: Um, basically there's, when you're first learning, you're, you, it's a lot of fun just to get up on the board and rip around kind of like you do behind a a jet ski, you know, or a motorboat, you know, wakeboarding. Right. Um, but then as you progress in the sport, you have additional options, um, which is, you know, you can go kite surfing. Um, here in Colorado, that doesn't work so well because we don't have much of the way to surf. But um, just like surfers on the ocean, you can actually uh, use your kite on the ocean and use that to get out beyond the waves and then actually turn around and come back in and surf the waves with the kite helping propel you as well and helping you along. Right. Um. And so that's a lot of fun. So that's you can do that on a kite board. You can do that actually on a surfboard. Some of the folks that are really do really good do it on a surfboard. Wow. Um. With the kite, yeah, those guys are awesome. That's beyond my skill level still.
1: With feet strapped in, or are they actually riding the board, the surfboard, as the surfboard was intended to be ridden?
0: They can do it just like a normal. They, both ways. You know, wow. we call it strapless. <laughs>
1: He's strapless. <laughs>
0: yeah. I multiple uh, and these guys are so – some of these guys are so good. They'll they'll be riding that surfboard, a regular surfboard strapless, and they'll go over a wave. And a wave, by the way, um, of any size can now be a, a jump, like a ski jump. Right. Um, to propel you into the air with the kite. These guys will go out beyond the waves, and they'll hit the waves with their surfboard. They'll jump in the air. Now, they're not attached to the board, and they'll flip it with their feet so that it does a couple spins and then land back on it. Man,
1: and keep going. as if it weren't hard enough to do on a skateboard and, you know, you take this big, long surfboard and try it that way. That's insane. I got to see that.
0: Oh, it's it's quite impressive um, what folks can do with uh, kites. So that's one option, you know, along with just regular kiteboarding, there's kite surfing. Then actually people are racing kites. Okay. Um, just like a sailing course where they can go, you know, the fastest person wins um, and you go out around buoys and you tack you know, upwind one direction, go downwind, and then tack up another direction, and you do a course. Um, And they have special boards for racing, which is also pretty neat, um, that are super fast. Um, And then they also have hydrofoil boards. Really? (laughs) That's cool. Um, And uh, you can ride in super light winds, but a hydrofoil, I don't know if people have seen, you know, motorboats with hydrofoils, where they... Where they get to a certain speed and then the whole boat, you know, and hull come out of the water.
1: Yeah, they hop up on a plane and yeah, you see the big ferry boats over in Europe, like that.
0: Exactly. Well, you can do that with kiteboarding as well.
1: That's neat. So, what is uh,
0: what
1: what's the benefit in that? What is how does that differ from just your regular kiteboard in the water?
0: Well, you know, when you're hydrofoiling, when you're foiling, it's F-O-I-L-I-N-G, foiling. Um, you get once you get up some speed, you get up on the foil, and your board lifts out of the water, so you have less resistance because the foil is the only thing in the water. So you'll actually go a lot faster because you're on this little tiny tiny wing underneath your kiteboard. Um, and some of the advantages of that is you actually can lift your board and you above the chop. On the ocean, there's waves, you know, or even on lakes, there's waves, so it lifts you above it and gives you a really smooth, super fast ride.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'd like to see some of the racing. That sounds uh that sounds interesting. So, if somebody were looking to get into it, what what's the equipment cost look like? What could they expect to to shell out if they decided they're really going to take it on and they just it's worth buying the equipment from the get-go?
0: Yep. Well, basically a board's going to run you 6-800 bucks. Um kites are going to run you a smaller ones at 1200, more expensive ones are about 2000. Um you'll need a harness. Those aren't too bad. They're 100 to 200. Um, and I'm quoting new prices. Of course, there's used gear, right? But in our in this kiting industry, you got to be real careful about used gear because there's some there's some older gear that just isn't safe to use anymore.
1: So it's not unlike buying used climbing gear. You know, your <laughs> your safety really does depend on it.
0: <laughs> exactly, and especially here in Colorado, where you need higher quality gear to deal with the gusts that we have to deal with.
1: Right. Okay. How about a time when things weren't a little squirrely on you? It sounds like things can go on while kiteboarding. Uh, any stories about your experience there?
0: Um, yeah, I have to admit, I definitely have a story as both, <laughs> you know, uh, as most kiters will eventually will have, um, you know, we call them kite mares.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I was here in Colorado on Aurora reservoir and you know, you keep when you're kiting, you want to keep an eye upwind to see what's moving toward you. Um, and sure enough, here comes this big old gust. So I got myself down in the water and parked the kite overhead to try to, you know, weather you know, get the gust to pass. Um, and it ended up being a really strong gust, and so that wasn't going to be good enough. So I used the safety and flag what we call flagging out the kite, where the kite just ends up being a rag downwind. Okay. Well, I did that, and then the the wind subsets, you know, the gust kind of, of course, then the gust kind of passes. So you actually have the ability to reset the kite. So I was in the process of resetting the kite where I was pulling myself back up to the bar to reconnect um, the piece that I released from my harness back to me so that I can relaunch the kite and continue kiteboarding. During that process um, of, uh, bring, you know, getting b- Reconnecting to the kite, another gust came through and hit the kite uh, and pulled it out of my hands because I hadn't really connected it yet and shock-loaded the system. When that occurred, uh, the line broke. That was the one line flagging it out. So there goes the kite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But the good news is, is I was just swimming in the lake just fine, you know, and I do know how to swim. So I just had to swim to shore. Um, But because the gust was so strong, the kite actually rolled, you know, downwind um, toward a dam at Aurora Reservoir, up over the dam. And then, you know, once it goes over the dam, it'll drop behind it where it's in the lee of the wind. And, you know, there's no there's no there's a little bit of rotor wind that actually pushes it toward the ground. And then the kite sits down on the ground. So I swam to shore and had to go retrieve the kite with tail between my legs, embarrassed that, you know, I couldn't. Kite back to shore where we started.
1: <laughs> so I envision we've all dropped the piece of paper in the windy parking lot, and right as you get up to the paper and try to stomp on it, it blows away again. And so this is about ten times worse than dropping the paper yeah. in the windy parking lot. You're just watching your kite tumble across the lake and over over a dam. Yeah,
0: you're kind of thinking, oh boy, this is going to be costly. I just hope the da- you know the kite makes it. And you know, luckily that day. Other than the broken line, I didn't have any damage to the kite. But sometimes on that, that dam that we have can destroy a kite, too, as it rolls and gets blown over it. So, you know, you've got 1000 thousand, two thousand $2,000 at risk blowing away. It's kind of a little uh, difficult on the pocketbook.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be nerve-wracking. Yeah, that water can there's a lot of power behind that. I could shred it up pretty quickly, yeah, I imagine.
0: If it catches, then it can definitely get shredded. But you know, the good news is though it's a thousand, two thousand dollar kites a whole lot cheaper than putting me back together, so This is true. I just had to do a little swimming back to shore and um and go and collect all my pieces and bought a new kite line and I'm back in
2: business. By now you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried-and-true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. The
1: 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to bulky and fragile gas-burning camp stoves. The 180 Flame utilizes fewer parts with minimal weight and maximized reliability. The locking tab and slot design means there are no hinges, welds, or rivets to fail you in the field. Cook your food and boil water quickly using only small amounts of natural fuels including twigs, grass, pine cones, and leaves. Weighing just 6.4 ounces, the 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to a backpacking stove. You can find your new flame at 180tech.com or a retailer near you. 180 Flame, think big, pack small. All right, so remind our listeners about the Boulder Outdoor Center. You were on previously talking about rafting, and we, uh, we talked a little bit about Boulder Outdoor Center and what it is you do and what you offer, so remind them.
0: Well, basically, uh, my name's Eric, and I do run the Boulder Outdoor Center. We do all kinds of outdoor adventures. Uh, we do not offer kiteboarding lessons here in Colorado because we just don't have a place to do it safely. But we do sell the kiteboarding gear. Uh, and uh, and I love kiteboarding and I love selling the gear. And I generally will set kiteboarders up with, a, you know, one good advice and then good equipment for a great price. I usually work with each person individually, figure out what they need, and then I'll work them out one heck of a deal. Just because we don't have a very big market for kiting here in colorado
1: okay cool so they can definitely talk to you and get some advice before they they get into the, the sport
0: exactly you know we've got some kiteboarding gear on our website um but you know we generally i generally take care of people individually and i set them up with exactly what they need uh instead of trying to sell them a, a specific beginner package uh you right. want to get the right size kite for the right person the right size kite board and uh Short of uh, being on, you know, an ocean beach with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kiters like Maui, you know, or like there is in Maui, um, you're not going to find a kite shop that really has a whole lot of gear anywhere in the middle of the country. Anytime somebody uh, is interested in kiteboarding, I'll generally get them a 10% deal to start with, and usually I can make a better deal. Um, once we figure out the package or what they're looking at. So that's the trick that I can do for folks is I'll work with them individually um, to get them exactly what they need, and I work out a deal with each person because I don't have a lot of demand for the kites. So I can work one-on-one and get people set up
2: correctly.
1: Okay, great. So, if you want to talk to Eric, you could give him a call at 303 444 8420 or email him at info at BOC123. That's for Boulder Outdoor Center, BOC123.com. That sounds great, Travis. So, how would you say kiteboarding is a benefit?
0: So, one of the things that's really neat about kiteboarding um, is that it's uh, environmentally friendly, uh, you're using wind which is obviously clean energy, and we're converting that clean energy wind uh, into energy that's going to propel us across the surface of the water. Going across the surface of the water, guess what? No footprints. So um, kiteboarding is 100% self-serving and low impact on the environment. Self-serving, it is huge amounts of fun and low impact because we put a few barefoot prints on the beach, and that's about it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's great. So I mean, it's the epitome you have leave no trace.
0: <laughs> exactly. We definitely leave no trace um, other than accessing the water by walking, you know, across the ground. But once we start kiteboarding, it's all clean energy. And it is, as we discussed earlier, and it's a great workout, but it actually works out the core. Uh, it's a great core workout. You'll generally find after a couple hours, your stomach muscles will be just, unless you're in real good kite shape, will definitely be wanting to break.
1: All right, let's do a funny story. got a funny story?
0: Let's see. Yeah, I guess a funny story would be is uh, one day at Aurora, I was kiting along, um, kiting across the water. And uh, Aurora is, re- you know, one of our local spots here uh, east of Denver that we kite a bunch. We actually have a, a kite beach there. So I was kiting across the water, and there's some trees on this point. And so I kited behind the tree, you know, behind the point, because I get what we call the butter water. The water is real smooth, feels really good because there's not – it's just glass smooth because the trees are blocking the wind by the surface and the kite is actually above the trees because they're only 20 foot high trees. Right. But one of the things the trees do is they'll, when the wind hits the trees, the wind doesn't just stop. It actually uh, bounces off the trees and then goes up above the trees. So behind the trees, you got a little bit of lift. So, So I'm kiting across the water in this nice smooth water with my kite. And I get my kite into that wind with, you know, where I get a little bit of lift and I did a, what's called a jump turn where I bring the kite overhead and I jump up in the air and then I, um, spin the kite, uh, or loop it, you know, make a 360 with the kite and then land and go back on the other direction. You know, and I was expecting a nice jump with the lift off the trees. Well, I got a little more lift than I expected. So, you know, the kite goes over my head. I jump off the water and then, you know, the kite loops and then it, can, it loops again, another 360 and I'm still going up. <laughs> so after a, two loops in one direction, I said, well, the lines are starting to twist. And so I stopped it and I started coming down and I looped it the other way to, to undo the lines and I started going up again. <laughs>
1: You're more like a hot air balloon at this time. So
0: the guys are on shore going, you know, are watching this going, Bader, what the heck are you doing? You think you're a helicopter or what? <laughs> um, so, I it, it was just they were just laughing because here I am just looping the kite different directions. And I'm just still everything I was doing was just taking me up and up and up. And finally, um, as all things do come to an end, um you know, I started coming back down, but it was a lot of fun and it was pretty funny. Just you think you're going to do a little hop turn and all of a sudden you're 20, 30, 40 feet off the water um, flying around, you know, like a helicopter.
1: <laughs> that's funny. It reminds me of the scene in Willy Wonka, <laughs> the chocolate factory, when they drank the soda and they just kept going up and up and up to the van.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't too far off of that.
1: Yeah, that's good. Great all right well i appreciate you stopping in and talking about kite surfing uh i for one want to give it a try and i know i say that about all of these adventure sports that i interview people about but um man that, that sounds like a blast i really do want to give it a try so you you've definitely sold me on it
0: oh well, excellent if i can help let me know i'm happy to give you advice on the lessons but um as i mentioned i won't be able to help you with the lessons until you're ready to purchase some gear
1: that works. That works. I have to go out to the ocean and try it out there first and then come back and risk my life on the lakes. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. <laughs> We'd love to have you.
1: Right on. Thanks a ton, Eric.
0: All right. You bet. All right. All right.